Blog Talk Radio. Witches. I'm Rena Starr, so you don't have to be. <laughs> Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this may not be the show for you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. Also, for the rest of this month, which is almost halfway over, you can still buy the 2023 Home Blessing Balls. And as I always tell you, you got to buy them in pairs. You got, you just have to. I mean, it's like a moral imperative to buy your balls in pairs, don't you think? Anyway, check out the social media page on Facebook for wickedwitchstudios.com. And tell Dorothy that Raina sent you. All right, my guest for the hour, I'm so excited, and I just love this lady to death, is the amazing, incredible, beautiful, talented Deborah Blake. Hello, my friend. Hello. I was just about ready to jump online. Ah. <laughs> How have you been? Um, I'm okay. You know, it's a crazy, crazy time, but I'm hanging in there. And you? It has been crazy. A lot has happened since the last time we spoke. Um, some of it good, some of it completely shit. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when when did we talk last? I'm trying to remember. It was, I think it was 2021. Um, and I want to say it was October. It's really been more than a minute. Um, wait, yeah, it, it's been a, it's look. been a little while. Yes, it has. It, it it really really has. I mean, I think we first started. Yeah, October twenty October twenty twenty one. Yeah. You've wow. Not been on. It's, yeah, girl. It's been more than a minute. Tell me what's going on in your life, and I'll tell you about mine. Okay, well, let's see. Um, Non-witchy related things. Uh, I quit my day job, <laughs> which I yes. loved. I didn't. I didn't quit it because oh. I didn't love it. I I had for 23 years or thereabouts been running the Artisans Guild, which is a artist oh, cooperative wow. shop with 50 artists or thereabouts that I started with a friend. Oh, you know, back in October 1999, and um, you know, I for many years had been doing that and writing, and with you know the COVID stuff taking up so much extra energy, and you know, I mean, I was no longer just trying to keep a shop alive; I was literally trying to keep everybody in the shop alive, which was which was sure. cray cray. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know, it was 
the, at the point where I literally had the energy to either run the shop or do my writing. And, uh, you know, I for for a couple of years, the shop got most of it, and then I finally had to say, you know, I gotta I gotta make a choice here, and I so now I am officially a professional full time author instead of a part time author. So, so yeah, everybody needs to go buy my books. Absolutely, and they're great books. I can't see why they wouldn't, especially you know. Well, it's yeah, they, they be... mostly are. I think I don't know. So yes, yeah, so, so the 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 most exciting thing writing wise is that. My newest book from Llewellyn came out last Sunday. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so that's pretty cool. Rituals, rituals and it's magic. The, the Everyday Witch's Coven. Rituals and Magic for Two or More. Yep. And I have it right in front of me because I'm special like that you are special (laughs) like that yeah i was very lucky this time llewellyn actually got the the books into the warehouse on time you know my last few books had both fiction and nonfiction had run late because of supply chain issues and um so so yeah you know it's people are getting it shipped out from llewellyn you know amazon of course is behind the you know, the, if you look on Amazon, it says, oh, you're going to get this in a month if you order it from us. It's just that they haven't shifted it into their warehouse. They have it. It's somewhere. It's just, you know. So any day now, the people who pre-ordered it through Amazon should get theirs. But if they're in a big hurry, just go directly to Llewellyn because people have gotten theirs already. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I find – So, first of all, this is my first book on actual coven work and actual coven creation and assembly and things of that nature. And I find it fascinating in the sense that I have never been. So, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, precluding all of this, was, I hear a lot of people use the term priestess in different manners. Now, when I hear someone is a priestess, I think of a priestess as someone who serves, someone who is dedicated to teaching and learning and doing all of the things for the coven, whether you say priestess or high priestess. Right. Am I using Am I using the term? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. What is the difference? Okay. Well, I, I mean, first of all, as as with everything witchy, there's you know there's not really one right answer. It's sort of some of it depends on your background. I mean, I was originally trained in a coven that was led by a high priestess who had been trained in a traditional sort of Wiccan coven, and yep. you know, yep. in Wicca. The high priest and high priestess are people who have gone through a certain amount of training, and yes, they lead the groups and all the rest of that. In truth, everyone who is a witch can call themselves a priest or a priestess. They are their own priest or priestess because we can all speak directly to the gods. Um, Now, yes, if you're talking about a coven, um, you know, you you can say priestess, you can say high priestess, Interestingly enough, you know, when I when I first started out, when we when I started the coven 
um, back in uh, 2004, if you can believe it, Circle Coven and Grove, uh, or uh, Blue Moon Circle, which is my own coven, which I then wrote the book Circle Coven and Grove about our first year of practice and you know how to how to do basically a year's worth of full moons and new moons and and sabbats and things. Um, and at that point, I did call myself a high priestess because I had done all the, the things that you know I had been taught. You know, I did my year and a day of extra training and you know started mm-hmm. the group and all that. I don't really use the term anymore, um, mostly because I've gotten more eclectic in my practice. I mean, there's still a, a Wiccan flavor because that was all the stuff that I learned, and I, you know, the parts of it that work for me, I still use. Um, sure. But I've been practicing with primarily the same group of women for a very long time and we're all equals and so it feels a little weird to be calling myself high priestess yes i'm still the one who does 95 percent of the rituals and you know because i'm the one who's comfortable writing them and putting them together and we meet at my house most of the time but you know there's there's nothing about me that to me puts me on any level higher than anybody else so i think using that term is a is a matter of personal preference um and uh, you know you can you can you know call yourself a priestess or a high priestess if you want to and if everybody else is happy with that or you can call yourself bob you know, <laughs> you know what, what whatever you know works for you I, one of the reasons that I wrote this book, The Everyday Witches Coven, was because, you know, my my first book, which was a book on covens, came out, I wrote it in 2005, and it came out in 2007. And, you know, people people still like it, you know. I mean, people who don't even practice in covens said they found it useful, which is lovely. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I sort of stopped recommending it to people as, you know, the only thing to look at because my own personal practice had changed a lot over those years. And the way witchcraft is being practiced in general has changed a lot over those years. It's not to say that there aren't still plenty of Wiccan covens that are following sort of the more traditional path, and that's great if that you know if that works for you you know by all means do it um but there are a lot of people who have you know, taken different approaches because the you know the nature of witchcraft is constantly growing and changing because because it's an evolving live religion you know it's it's yeah. it's it's still young um you know we're we're probably yeah. in the teen years now i don't know um but yes yeah, so i thought you know maybe it's time for me to write an entirely different book i mean they can be used together you know you can the it's not that the old one isn't still useful but i wanted to talk right. a little bit about the fact that you know you didn't you weren't limited to a traditional coven that there were a lot of different approaches the reason that the subtitle says rituals and magic for two or more you know usually when we think about covens we think about a bunch of people 
you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be 13, but you may be thinking, oh, 8 or 10 or 15. I have a friend who has been practicing with the same other person for 20 years. They started out in larger groups together. Eventually the larger groups disbanded, and they ended up just practicing together, the two of them. There's still a coven, you know. So, you know, there's that. And then there's my stepdaughter um, who practices – intermittently with sort of a free-floating group of people, you know, it's not always the same people. It's not, you know, not always even the same person leading the, you know, the ritual, although it tends to be her. Um, And, you know, so they're not an organized coven. They're not a committed coven, but they are still a group of people who practice together periodically, well, more regularly before COVID, of course, but um, yeah, that's sure. that's yeah. really impacted group work a lot, including my own. Um, but yeah, so I decided it was time to revisit the idea of what a modern coven is, and and then I went looking online. You know, when I when I get ready to pitch a book to Llewellyn, I I have to show them. You know equivalent books, you know, things that are already out there, that sort of thing. And one of the things that I discovered, to my great surprise, was that all of the books that I had started out with, the ones that had inspired me, that I had used to learn from, um, every single one of them was out of print. And there are, in fact, (laughs) virtually no books on covens out there. So I went, well, I guess I darn well better write this one. And that's that's kind of to to my point about it. This is my first book about actual organization and coven work. And, you know, I was, listen, (laughs) I was brought up in the traditional gardenarianism or gardenias as my beloved mentor called us because we weren't really strictly holding to the gardenarian path because we just could not grok with some of the more heteronormative. Oh, yeah. There was then. there was a lot of so, very intense um, yeah. stuff. In, yeah. And if it worked yeah. for you, that's great. But, yeah, it was, it was not everybody's right. cup of tea for sure. Yeah, it, it really was not. I mean, even though I was first coming up in the, the 70s and 80s, um, even then – my mentor was like, eh, slow down, we're not doing all, we're not going all there, okay? Right. So I always, Some of us are going to keep our clothes on. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, well, actually, the fact is, is that in my group, we did not keep our clothes on all the time. I mean, if it right. was a really sacred ceremony, we did the sky clad thing, and it was lovely, and I'm very blessed because I never had to go through any of the harassment and I right. never exposed to any of the icky things that I have since heard of over the years. Yeah, um, and I so think, you know, in a good group it worked well. In a in a group where people were taking advantage of position, then it didn't work well. But yeah. that's, that's true of everything. Um, give me one second. I'm going to plug in my headphones, which I was on my way to do, um, because otherwise my arm is going to fall <laughs> off, which would be, you know, very bad for the writing. 
it would be bad for the writing. It would also be bad for the reader if the writing does not happen. So I would say taking okay, care of the I'm back. is most important. Ah, she's back. And see how fast yeah. that was? That was amazing. But oh, yeah, no, I, I'm a pro. I just, it was one of those yeah. things that, yes, I was on my way to grab the headphones. I was, I was running late because I was feeding the cats, so blame them. Okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can blame cats. I have no problem with that. Yeah, but no, basically it's always, always blame the cat. That's, that's the rule. And Unless you you're the cat, the in which cat. case it's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but so what do you think of this book as, as someone who's coming at it with, you know, it's your first book on, on covens. Did you find mm-hmm. it helpful? Did you find it useful? Here's what I found. What I found was because I've never been in the position of leader or priestess, in that regard, and, and one of the things I wanted to address before we get too far away from this specific topic is I always kind of looked at priestess as the leader mm-hmm. in that term, and I never felt that I have the right to use it because I did not put that work in. So I was wondering if that was just my own head saying that, but you've explained it in such a way that if this is your practice and this is what you believe, you may not necessarily want to say high priestess, but you can say priestess. And that's something I always told myself I should not do because I hadn't earned it. But the way you've explained it, okay, I, I have done a lot of the work, but not to be a leader. And right. I and thought, so, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that when you put that high part on top, that's where the leader part comes in. You can be a priestess mm-hmm. without having led anything. And you can also have led a group and not call yourself a high priestess, just call yourself a priestess or call yourself yeah. Deborah, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, I think if you've been working at it for a long time and, and you know, you're – your spirituality is central to your life. You can absolutely call yourself a priestess if that's what you want to do. Just so cool, and thank you, because that kind of frees my brain um, in a way that it had not been freed before. But getting back to your question about my thoughts on your book, so here's the thing. When you're an attendee or a coven mate and you're not necessarily in a position of, doing the thing, but more Uh participating in the thing. You know, sometimes you look at your priestess or leader um, with a sense of reverence because I think a lot of the time folks take for granted all the work that goes into it. Right. Now, so the book, what the book did for me was say, it may not, definitely respect the person in charge and otherwise you shouldn't be practicing with them. But it also indicated that don't be so intimidated that you're afraid to do it yourself if that situation should become available to you. 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that we did in Blue Moon Circle was, you know, the first few years when we started out, we were a fairly small group. There were literally three of us when we when we started, and we would do, you know, full moons for just us, and then we would do the Sabbaths, invite our witchy friends. So there might be as many as 12 or 15 people for the Sabbaths, but they weren't all part of our coven. They were visitors from other covens or, or solitaries or interested friends or whatever. Um But, you know, we practiced together um, for the first couple of years. It was basically just all me. The other two women had both been solitaries for many, many years, and this was their first coven experience at all um, because they had just never found one that was right for them um, until I came along. Um, And (laughs) once we had practiced together for a couple of years, and there were a few more of us, I said, okay, here's here's what I want to do. Every once in a while, I want somebody else to lead the group. I you know, I want you to come up with a ritual. I want you to, you know, come up with the theme, you know, whatever. I will I will help in any way, you know, that you want. But I feel I felt like it was a good practice to be on the other side, to know what it felt like yeah. to be, you know, doing the the leading and and you know it was sort of funny because i you know i had one woman who who would say all right you know if you can lead the like calling the quarters and casting the circle part i'll do the rest of the ritual and i went sure that's if that's what you're comfortable with you know i never made anybody do anything they weren't comfortable with and i tried to make sure that they knew that there was no no way they could screw it up that even if things didn't go right I mean, things didn't go right with my rituals all the time. We used to call ourselves the fire-impaired witches. We could not light the bonfire. (laughs) We couldn't keep our candles lit. Half the time we forgot to bring the matches into the circle. And, you know, yeah, you get the candle started, and then it would just go out for no obvious reason, you know. And, And so we were used to just laughing that kind of stuff off and going on with the ritual the best we could. So, you know, I hope that that people, you know, when we did this, felt comfortable. And, you know, now it's still mostly me, but every once in a while I'll say, okay, you know, let's let's let somebody else do it, or you tell me what it is you want, you know, what do you need in your life right now? What What do you need us to work on? If I didn't have any particular thing that, you know, I was like, okay, you know, we need to work on, balance or whatever i would say you know, okay what do people want to address and there usually was something either one person was in crisis or a couple of people were dealing with the same thing um mm-hmm. and so you know i tried to make it so that everybody felt like a participant not a follower if that makes mm-hmm. sense of course of course now being young when i was first in a coven and the only reason I'm not still in that coven is because my high priest and high priestess at the time have passed, have long since passed away. I still have a high priestess that I defer to um, in my life, and I'm very lucky. We don't get to see each other very often mm-hmm. because of this. But I still, just, if I have a question about my background, whatever you want to call it, Right. Um, I asked her because she was there, and she know she remembers all the players, and her memory is 
in, in some regards much better than mine, um, but she has been my acting priestess ever since my original coven disbanded due to the death of my priest and, and priestess. So, and she was part of that group, so it's a natural, for me it's a natural progression anyway. Um, but I've never felt uh, led or drawn or like that was my calling because I think being a leader in that regard is a calling. And I think you have I, Yeah, to I think that's true. I, and not yeah. everybody's called to it. I mean, the other women in my group absolutely are not. They don't, either of them have any desire to lead. They don't mind every once in a while having me, you know, say, tag, you're it. But, you know, they would be perfectly happy to have me lead every ritual. And, you know, if for some reason our group broke up, they would not either of them likely, you know, go out and start a, a group of their own, you know, which is I, I started mm-hmm. mine because the, my old group was no longer a good fit for complicated reasons. Um But, uh, you know, I think it's something that, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, you have that calling or not calling. I mean, I obviously, I have, I have the leader gene or whatever it is. I mean, I led an artist cooperative shop for 23 years. Maybe I just like to boss people around. I don't know. Um, But it's, I mean, it, it is one of those things that I do think. You know, there are some people who are called to lead and there are some people who aren't. On the other hand, like the two examples that I gave you of my friend with her other friend, neither of them leads. They're, they they right. take turns coming up with what they're going to do um, or they just talk about things and agree about it. Um, and with, you know, the the group that my stepdaughter is a part of, I think she leads some of the time, but because there's really nothing official, there is no actual leader. It's more of a of a facilitator or an organizer. And, yeah, she may be more likely to be the person to pick up the phone and go, hey, full moon's coming. Let's meet on the beach. They get to meet on the beach. It's not fair. Um, I do not get to Aww. meet on the beach. Um, although, although last year I did actually get to celebrate uh, – what was it? I think it was uh, Beltane on the beach because uh, I was out visiting mm-hmm. people in California. Um, but uh, you know, so and and there's you know specific groups. I mean, there are groups where there there is a leader, but you know, like I know um, in Binghamton, which is a town about an hour from me it's one of the closer large towns they have a number of covens who do their own thing but often get together and do a larger group something for you know the sabbaths and they take turns you know one coven will lead the ritual and put it on one time and a different one will do it a different time so you know the benefit of that for the people who are the priest and priestess or the leaders of the group is they get to relax and actually have somebody else yeah. do the work and and yeah. instead of having to you know focus everything they get to just be there and take part and that is a lovely thing and it is something that i miss uh, you know i used to get together occasionally with you know that group we would go up there for beltane every once in a while or, you know, I would go to mm-hmm. PantheaCon, which was this wonderful 
big um, pagan convention yeah. out in San Jose. And, you know, I I went every two or three years. It was it was a haul. But, you know, I could I could go and like Selena Fox would put on a ritual and I'd get to just go be. And that was lovely. Yeah. I And I don't want to take anything away from empowering others to, you know, occasionally take the step up and lead the group. But. In addition to that, I also think it's really important to respect the work that goes into leading a coven or a ritual. Um, and I think sometimes folks just assume that, well, you've got all that in your head and you, you know, right. you've been doing it for years and it's all old hat and you're not putting in any, you know, it's not yeah, no, it's, for you. It's a lot of work. I mean, I'm teaching an online yeah. class at the end of this month, and and I still have to prep for that stuff. I can't just wing it. You know, I'm I have sure. to I have to be semi semi organized at least. Um, and yeah. yeah, I've been doing this for quite some time. We're not naming a number of years because I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, quite you know since. Since my mid to late 30s, and I'm now 62, so a while, a while. Uh I've been doing it for a while. But, yeah, it's still work, and it's still effort. And that focus that it takes to sort of carry a circle, that's that's a lot of energy. I mean, I I love doing it, but it is exhausting between the the prep and the actual ritual and, and, you know, then the, the... after stuff, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. On the other hand, it's you know, it's a labor of love. Nobody's nobody's doing it if they don't want to do it, you know, because after a while they just go, ah, forget it. You know, I'm tired now. Yeah. Let somebody else take a turn. Um, yeah. So, but one of the things you know, you talk about it being a calling to lead a group, and I think that's something that people need to listen to if they've been practicing for a while. And, you know, they're wishing there was a local coven to join and either there isn't or the local coven doesn't suit them or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to think, you know, could this could this be a calling for me? Could this be something that I have in me that I could, you know, give as a gift to other, you know, witches in my community to start right. a coven? And, you know. One of the things that I do in the book is talk about things that you need to consider, um, you know, having having a whole lot more experience than I did when I wrote the first book. I mean, I'd been part of a coven for five and a half years or thereabouts, and right. then I, you know, done my own for a year. But, yeah, you know, there were some lessons I learned about things that can go wrong and and how to prevent that or how to deal with it if it happens or how to how to make it not go wrong in the first place by making sure that if you start a new coven or if you join a coven that exists already that everybody's on the same page that all the expectations yeah. are in agreement because you know if especially these days when a lot of times you get a sort of an eclectic bunch of people they're not necessarily all from like the same um, Wiccan background or whatever, people may come sure. in with very different ideas of what they want from a coven or what you know how to practice ritual, you know, 
who gets mm-hmm. called priestess and who doesn't, you know, all of those kind of sure. things. And I think, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot in the book is having that clear communication from the very beginning. Because if, you know, if you sit down with a few people and say, okay, let's let's consider starting a group, talk about what that means to everybody. Talk about, you know, well, you know, do you expect one person to lead all the rituals or does everybody take turns? Um, you know, are you going to chip in on the supplies? Because that stuff gets expensive right. after a while. Um, I mean, I've never asked my folks to do that, but, uh, you know, it's it's not – we're a small group. We don't go through a, a ton of supplies, uh, and I have sure. a ton of supplies. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I think – you know, that communicating, and then if a problem does come up, communicating about the problem rather than sitting and stewing about it, which is easy to do. You know, it's nobody likes confrontation. Well, most people don't like confrontation. There's a few that really love yeah. love confrontation, and you just hope you don't get them in your coven. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you know, if somebody has an issue – they need to be willing to come forward and say, I have an issue, instead of going around and either talking to everybody else behind the leader's back, which I've had happen, um, or just stew and stew and stew about it until they blow up and leave when all they had to do was say, you know, I wish we did it this way instead of that way, and it might have been fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to me. People are still... They're not afraid to walk out, but they're afraid to use their voice to ask for what they might want or need, and I find that kind of fascinating. Yeah, well, um, it's like, you know, human relationships, whether it's covens or families or, you know, anything else, that's all complicated stuff. You know, it's right. it's not easy to be in any kind of relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a family relationship, and covens some of them at least are sort of like a big family some of them are a big dysfunctional family but that's okay sure. um but you know a coven mm-hmm. that stays together for any period of time does eventually end up feeling like a family um usually i mean my first one didn't but that was because of the high priestess who ran it that wasn't how she looked at it um she she did hers more as a study group and so there wasn't as much of a emotional connection you know my my group mm-hmm. we take vacations together and people bring their husbands and their kids if they have them and uh, you know it's it's it definitely is is a family um but uh, you know there's no wrong way it's just is everybody happy and if there are people who are not happy is there a way to change things so that they are happy without making everybody else unhappy and sometimes there isn't you know sometimes it really is a matter of you know well this may not be the right group for you anymore but the only way to find that out is to talk about it absolutely and you know i it's interesting because all of these things play into it even down to what hour on what day of what month of what week which phase of the moon Oh yeah. How often are you going to meet? You know, some like my my first group met Mm -hmm. every week. That's a lot. You know, I mean, and and you know, Blue Moon Circle started out 
basically doing twice a month. We would always do full moon, and if there was a Sabbath, we'd meet for the Sabbath. If there wasn't, we'd probably do a new moon instead. So that we, you know, every couple mm-hmm. of weeks we would get together. And one of the things that happened was people got busy. We we all got older, and there were a few people who couldn't drive yeah. at night anymore. So doing full moons became really difficult. You know, if if people can't drive home afterwards, I mean, I love them, but I don't want them all to live at my house. Um, but yeah, right. so we ended up focusing more on the sabbats, and then occasionally doing something else. But we we shifted it from being nighttime get-togethers to middle of the afternoon. Yeah, you know, it was it was yeah. what worked for the most people, and everybody else sort of shrugged and went, "Yeah, okay, we can we can do that." And you know, every once in a while, there would be something like, you know, pre-COVID, um, we we wanted to do, you know, Samhain at night, which we we had been doing you know, at dusk for many many years, and you know, one of the people who who couldn't drive at night stayed over on my couch. You know, she got somebody to go let her dog out and it was fine. Um yeah. you know, at this point, you know, we're we're mostly mostly, you know, meeting outside, you know, and at this time of year, you know, we we don't get together quite as much because we're all still pretty darn cautious. Um yeah. and, and unfortunately we had to cancel Yule dinner party, which is a traditional thing we've done since the very beginning for the third year in a row. It was very sad. Um the first two years were because of COVID. This year was the flu. Two different households had the flu. Um and and the rest of us were very grateful they didn't come and give it to us. So, you know, there's that. Sure. Sure. But yeah, you know, I think being flexible is really important if if you're planning on keeping a, a group going for any period of time. Well, I, you know, in the years that have passed, I've become more and more solitary because, you know, first of all, a lot of the groups in my area are much younger than us. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that, but they do tend to have. Um, their meetings at night. You're, and, their and you're in different night. places in your life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I wouldn't want anybody to like be, oh, you know, poor Raina, let's just bring her in. And that's, that's not cool either. You know, we all have a different focus when, you know, and my priestess, the person who I still refer to as my priestess, mm. she does do ritual, but it's, it's a bit of a drive. And quite frankly, when she's doing ritual, I'm usually doing a show. So uh, it's kind of like I'm yep. on the air when they're doing what they do. Right. So oh, yeah, I we have to work around decision. people's schedules. It's It can be very yep. tricky. I mean, we we always meet on a weekend because even if the Sabbath yeah. happens to fall on a Wednesday, people have jobs. You know, we have yeah. one woman who runs a daycare. She can't just go, I'm not going to, you know, come into work this afternoon. You guys are on your own. <laughs> you know, it's just. Right. And, and, yeah, we've got people who come from, you know, slightly, you know, further away. And it's just a whole lot easier if we can just say, fine, you know, we're going to shift the ritual three days onto a Saturday or a Sunday. And, and you know, we'll just, you know carry the feeling with us 
And, you know, that works. It's You know, we've never had a, a ritual where we felt like, oh, we're too many days away from the actual holiday. We're not feeling it. Wow. Yeah, definitely. You, you, <laughs> I understand that, too. I've also been, I've also experienced we're not feeling it today. It's not going to happen. So I guess. Well, but, but what I'm saying what is we've, we've never really had that. We've always sort of been able to carry that essence of the holiday, mm-hmm. you know, the two days or three days. I, I always was taught that basically two days in either direction of full moon or a holiday was still encompassed in that energy and sometimes you have to go three and if it's three you know it's all about intention and focus Mm -hmm. and if your intention is to celebrate Beltane and Beltane was three days ago you're still celebrating Beltane it's fine Uh, you know I believe the gods are pretty flexible about this stuff too yeah, you know, I, my feeling about the gods is remember your gods so they remember you. And, you know, when you specifically remember them is on a sliding scale as long as you do remember them. Um, well, that's it. I think they're happy that you're there calling them into circle. You know, they yeah. don't particularly care if it's, you know, a day on a calendar. You know, they're, I, I think they're probably way more flexible than we are. Yeah, I, I would think so. You know, I, on they're most, gods. On most they things. I wouldn't push them too well, far. On most but things. Well, yeah, I, well, tell me about it, please. But <laughs> the fact is is that you're better off calling them and welcoming them and making your offerings than not. I think, right. You know, if you're, if you're doing correct intention and correct offering, it's going to be a – Oh, thank you. Thanks for remembering. Right. Much appreciated. It's like, oh, you did show up. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but I think it is uh, not frowned upon to to have at least good intention. But yeah. what are the but, uh, you I know, love about... Let me just say, I think you have to pick uh, your battles. Things, you do. Well, like with anyone or any anybody you respect, Sometimes uh, there's a time to say, okay, we're going, we're just going to do it your way. And there's a time to question, is there not? Well, but I mean in a more general way, it's like for us it's more important that we're together than the day we're together. It's more important that we're celebrating, you know, our shared spiritual path than, you know, that it's, you know, the actual holiday or the time of day we would really yeah. like to do it or whatever. You know, we, we decided a long time ago that the most important thing for us was trying whenever possible to get together. I mean, we've had, we've mm-hmm. had times when, you know, there have been five or six of us and only three of us could get together. It's still, it's still good. It still works. Um, Right. You know, we we do our our best with with that kind of thing. Um, you know, during mm-hmm. during COVID, first of all, there were you know, there was quite a long period of time when you couldn't get together with anybody. Period. That was it. When we finally could mm-hmm. gather together outside, masks on, six feet away from each other, because nobody knew at that point, you know, what was safe and what wasn't safe. We were all so stressed and so unfocused that 
we pretty much agreed that we didn't have it in us to do formal ritual, you know, to call mm-hmm. the quarters, to do the. So, you know, we might simply light a candle and say a spell together or send out a prayer or, you know, toss something onto the bonfire, and then we'd have our feast. And being right. together was our ritual. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, at that point it was all we could do, and it was enough. It was, you know, it was enough for the gods. It was enough for us. You, you know, we just did what we could do. As time went on and things got a little bit less insane, you know, we did go back to doing some more formal things and, you know, finally got back to doing real real ritual. But we had about a year there where, you know, we couldn't get together in the winter at all because we we could only do it right. when we were outside. And when we were mm-hmm. when we were together, we were all a little broken, and we just did the best we could. And that's that's all you can ever really ask. Not everybody who's in a coven is going to be fully functional on every day they show up. You know, everybody's got their differing levels of crap and you know there i've been in covens where you know people had family things exploding on them or um there was something you know there was something going on in their life and maybe they weren't as focused as you would want them to be and maybe the you know the energy that you generated as a group wasn't as strong as it might be but you were there for each other and so if that person was limping along you just let them limp along but what you're talking about more is a homogenous coven, an actively time has passed, you all know each other. I've been in coven, well, not in covens, but in rituals as a guest um, where it was time to question certain things. For example, uh, I was once at a ritual wonderful, wonderful folks, but they wanted us to learn a song, and they wa- it took over an hour. Oh, and God. Like, yeah, yeah no, see, that's, that's what I'm saying about when, when you say pick your battles, sometimes there's a time to say, okay, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. You and and, and that's one of those things, you know, I I did, you know, my my first group would occasionally – go as guests to another group and yeah. you know there was a big difference of opinion in um from the way my high priestess did things to the way their couple of high priestesses did things um and one of those disagreements was the folks in that other group would get stoned before ritual or they would drink before ritual and mm-hmm. if everybody in your group agrees that that's okay, that's fine. I was taught, and my high priestess who taught me you know, believed that, A, that was disrespectful to the gods, and B, that it was very difficult to focus and gather that energy up if you were yeah. in an altered state of mind. And unless for some reason the altered state was part of the ritual, which some people do that, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, my group has always been very much you you come in as as alert and together as you can and yes we'll yeah. we'll all have a sip out of the goblet and then we will go have our wine with with our feast um right. and so that was one of those things we did finally stop 
going to that group because we, for us, it wasn't a good fit because they were sort of disorganized and they were, yeah, the energy was was very dysfunctional. And that was one of those battles we just went, yep, that's that's not us. You know, nobody ever said to them, you can't do this because it wasn't our group. But, you know, it is one of those things that when I started my own group, we talked about that. And we all agreed that, yes, we we thought, you know, that, you know, no matter how much we might like our glass of wine, better to have it after, which, you know, didn't mean that on the one or two occasions somebody had the day from hell and needed to have a glass of wine while they were sitting and waiting for us to get ready. That was fine. You know, again, it's an exception. Um, But, yeah, those battles, absolutely. And... And if you've got a high priestess or a high priest or whoever's leading the group who you feel is taking advantage or doing a power play um, or, you know, anything else that's inappropriate, you know, what I always what I always tell people is, you know, if it doesn't feel right to you, leave. Don't, you know, don't stay and take part in that group. I mean, you may not be able to leave in the middle of that particular ritual, but you don't have to go back. Um, you know, it's, and you know, those, those lines are different for everybody, what things they find acceptable and not acceptable. But I, I do unfortunately know a couple of people where there were um, inappropriate sexual things being done by somebody in a position of power, um, and to me, that's a you know that's the ten foot pole rule: run, run away. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about being polite. Get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. It's just what you have to do to protect yourself. Don't worry if anyone's feelings are hurt. Don't worry if anyone. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's safety. exactly personal safety, and and that also means. You know, emotional safety, psychological safety, psychic safety. Um, You know, I also know people who were in groups where there was somebody or somebodies, and it wasn't always the leader, who was just one of those Mm -hmm. energy suckers, you know, who always came in with a crisis or something and just sucked all the energy from the group. And... Boy, you go to one of those a couple of times and you're like, no, you know, either if they're the leader, you leave. If they're not the leader, then you talk to the leader and say, you know, this is this is having a negative effect on the group. Are you going to do something about this or not? Um, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they're like, that's my boyfriend. He's fine. <laughs> and you go, OK, never mind. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've not really experienced anything quite that drastic. But and I, I have, haven't either. I have, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, yeah I, and I know I've been lucky because I know just, you know, tons of people who have been like, well, you know, I was with this group for a while, but so-and-so, so-and-so's name, uh, was really just, you know, very authoritarian and wouldn't let us experiment and, and wouldn't let us um have more of a say in, in what ritual we did or how ritual was done. So I love the fact that, you know, you give uh, that freedom and that encouragement to Covenmate to go ahead and step up and, 
go ahead, do it. You know, take. take well, I am a great you know, believer in. Um, first of all, trying to make everybody happy if you can. You can't always, but if you can, why wouldn't you? Um, And trying to make everybody feel equal and appreciated and heard um, and treating people the way I would want to be treated. You know, I I know that seems like a really basic concept, but a lot of people don't seem to get it. I'm not sure why. Um, But, yeah, you know, I I would never... I would never ask a coven member to do something I wouldn't do myself. Oh, no, of course. I, I, and I would never think that of you. Um, and anyone who is a respectful person would never do such a thing either. When I was coming up, though, I knew I didn't know enough to fill a symbol. So the fact that I spent the first 12 years um, basically shutting my mouth and learning. That's a long time. Yeah, it was. Because, well, because I showed up at 16 and said I wanted to be initiated, and my mentor went <laughs> <laughs> and sent me away. Um, no, he did. And, you know, it, over time, over years, over service, over reading, over practice, over, you know, rituals, and basically sucking up all the information that I was lucky enough to be receiving because you can't find a mentor who says, well, you'll move in the house and, you know, you'll work during the day and you'll practice at night and weekends and, you know, we will show you how it's done, blah, 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 blah. And I was very, very lucky and kind of adopted in and and Mm -hmm. taught and I knew Shut your mouth and learn because you, you think his thing was this isn't a fucking game. Don't treat it like one, and I will make sure you don't because if I am going to initiate you, I'm going to know what your true intention is, and this isn't a game. This isn't mm-hmm. something you you do one week and you're flighty and, and you don't think about it, and it's just another thing you tried to do, young teenager. Person. And there are and those there are those witches. I mean, there are the ones who who sort of try it on for size, and it isn't a good fit, and they just wander off, which is which is fine. Um, but you may not want them in your group. Yeah, and you know, it was it was. Are you really serious? And I kept saying yes, 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 yes. And it's like, okay, now you get to prove it. Mm-hmm. So I did. And 12 years later, I was initiated at 28 years old, first degree. That That is the longest initiation I've ever heard of. I mean, that is the longest training and, for initiation I yep. have ever heard of, no matter what age and you I'm, started at. Yeah, but I'm grateful for it because, listen, I think my mentor saw that I was, first of all, I was raised in a very abusive household. And there's a lot of scattered energy that goes with that. And right. I think, you know, being held to task, to standard, to this, to that, fill in whatever it is. And I'm not saying that that's for everybody. Right. I'm saying in my life it works. Yep. I mean, and everybody's serious. different. Some people are, are ready mm-hmm. much sooner, and, and oh, some yeah. people it takes a very long time. And it's all, you know, yeah. 
I mean, if you if you have a high priest or high priestess, you know, to some extent it's up to them. Although, you know, my high priestess waited until I came to her after five years and or well, four and a half, whatever it was, and said, okay, I feel like I'm ready to take the next step now. What should I do? And she said, okay, you know, read these extra books. Um, we're going to have you start leading some of the rituals in group. We're going to have you start leading some of the public rituals because we would put on rituals at the local Unitarian church that let us use this space. Mm -hmm. so, you know, like one Yule, I, I led a ritual for 60 people. That was a little intimidating. Um, fun, yeah. but a little intimidating. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so, you know, for a year and a day, I sort of had, you know, extra homework and more practice and more um, responsibility um, and, you know, then at the point where I would have normally, you know, it had been my year and a day and I would normally have been, you know, initiated, you know, as a high priestess, then things went wrong with the coven. Actually, well, first it didn't yeah. happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And it slowly started to occur to me that she, she really didn't want another high priestess, which was part of it i think i mean i don't know you can't you can't see in anybody else's head that was my guess i could have been wrong um and you know no. she taught me a lot so i have zero complaints about you know that sort of thing maybe she felt i wasn't ready i'm not sure we you know we didn't talk about it um but uh then she got a boyfriend and the boyfriend started acting as high priest and he didn't like me I don't know why. I'm charming. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, we butted heads. And yeah. she basically, you know, she wouldn't say to him, you know, Deborah's been a part of this coven for over five years. You know, I'm not going uh -huh. to tell her not to come. Her compromise was to say, all right, he's going to come to every other ritual and you'll come to every other ritual. And at that point I left. Huh. Because I'm mm -hmm. like, no, no, you don't, you know, that's, I, I don't, I don't come for every single thing for five years only to be told we're going to exclude you from half of the practice because this person doesn't like you. Yeah. You know? and, and, and then I actually went and did, you know, some months later when I felt like I was ready, I did a, a self-initiation with a couple of friends, one of whom was a, a witch and one of whom was just very spiritual but they were really really you know close to me and it was a wonderful moving you know ritual and i basically offered myself in service to the god and goddess and you know said you know promised them that that i would do the things that were required by that position um and and then i waited another six months or so before i started my group because i just needed yeah, it just wasn't time yet. It was one of those, you know, I was just mm -hmm. waiting for that little voice that went, yes, now. And it, it didn't happen until, you know, these two other women sort of, you know, entered my life. And I went, oh, okay. Hey, what about you? Do you, do you want to be in a group? Do you want to be in a group? And they both went, um, okay. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was that fancy. Um, and then we did a, a group dedication, 
you know, together, you know, which which was a really nice thing. Um, and, you know, I have that kind of thing. I know I know there's one in uh, Circle Coven and Grove. I, th- I think there's something like that in the Everyday Witches Coven. I, the thing about, about writing books is by the time they come out, it's been two years since you wrote them or a year and a half, and you've written another two books in between, and you don't remember what the wow. heck you wrote in that lovely book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're a, a group dedication. Yes, there is a group dedication in there. It's on page 76. It says so in the outline. Um, but, you know, that's a nice thing to do if if you have a group that is going to seriously work together. If you're If you're not, then you don't need to do that, and you can still work together perfectly well, um, you know, without – you know, without doing any kind of formal dedication, you just get together and do your thing. And I want to say this about the book, because I think it's important to point out, while the book says rituals and magic for two or more, truly, if you really think about it, these are all things a solo practitioner can do for the most part. I mean, if you empower yourself to be your own leader, I I think that there are so many things in this book that apply to just a, a solo practitioner. I I, I think uh, it's beautifully written. It certainly it certainly oh, shines you. a light on what's involved in in acquiring or creating a group and keeping a group going because of course you put rituals in here too, uh, not just the specifics of you know, what are yeah, the and most of the rituals can, can be converted. I mean, that's what happened with yeah. my first book, Circle, Covenant, Grove. I was astonished. You know, I got message after message from people who were solitaries who said, I love this book. I use it all the time. I just, you know, make the, the rituals for me, you know. Yeah. Or occasionally I invite a friend to do them with me or my kid or whatever. But... I I was really pleased to discover that solitaries found it useful as well. Um, you know, I mean that was that was a, a great. You know, I still have solitaries who say it's their their favorite ritual book, and I'm like, I love you so much. Thank you. Yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're listening, I love you so much. Thank you. Um, and yeah, hopefully the same thing with this is that even if somebody is not in a coven and doesn't even necessarily have any interest in being in a coven, I think there are things that they will get out of it um, that will still be useful to them. I always try and write my books so that they will be useful to the largest number of people, even if I'm aiming them at a specific group. I mean, like some of my, my books that were slightly more advanced, it wasn't that people who were newbies couldn't use them. They just might have to think harder about some things or you know, do a little side reading or whatever. And yeah. the beginner books are still perfectly useful for people who've been practicing for 15 years. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And that's the beauty of being a great writer is you have a target audience. However, anyone can read it. It's perfect and get something out of it. So I, I hope so. You, we are... It is, but I will have to tell you, we're out of time. So, oh my goodness! I just want to remind you. 
I know. I talked your your face off. I'm so sorry, but I'm not. No, no. It's, I <laughs> love talking to you. I love talking to you, too. But I just want to remind everybody, the Everyday Witches Coven um, Rituals and Magic for Two or More, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's just released. You'll get a copy uh, wherever you get your book. It's it's wonderful. And Preferably any Llewellyn any indie bookstore Amazon. will special order it for yeah. you if they don't have it in. They're all independent bookstores Correct. are always happy to order whatever book you want. So feel free to go to your local indie store, or if you have like a, a local New Age store, they will have books. Um, you know, and you can get it directly from Llewellyn. Just go to Llewellyn.com, yep. and they will happily send it to you. Um, and I do happily. actually have I have an Etsy store, and I do have a few signed copies for the people who really like signed books. I've I've learned over the years that people always ask me for that, so I I just I, I've been t- well trained by my readers. You know, like now as soon as the book comes out, I'm like, okay, here's a few signed copies. You can get them at my Etsy store. Okay, so what is the Etsy store? Tell people. Well, if you want to find me online, the easiest thing to do is go to my website, which is deborablakeauthor.com, and there are links Mm -hmm. to everywhere. There's links to my Facebook, my Twitter, um, you know, my Instagram. I'm not on TikTok because I'm old. Um, because if I have to learn one one more social media, my head will explode. But I do have a Patreon, and there's a link to that, and there's a link to the Etsy store, which also has, you know, some magical jewelry, and you know, because I make jewelry, I've been doing it for you know, 30 years or something, um, and some, you know, a few little magical kits and things, um, and yeah, all the books and the decks and things like that. You know, the the book before this, the Eclectic Witches Book of Shadows, that's there. So yes. Deborah Blake Author dot com and it's Deborah D E B O R A H the long biblical way I like to say um, and honestly if you if you type Deborah Blake into Google you're gonna find me apparently I'm everywhere you are everywhere and speaking of being everywhere just last thing before I let you go and I know I'm keeping you long but I'm asking anyway oh no are it's you fine Okay, good. Are you making any in-person appearances this year? I actually, I'm I'm going in February to a fiction convention called Coastal Magic, um, which is yeah. Well, you know, I write fiction too, so um, yeah. I, you know, I had the the three cozy mysteries come out in the last couple of years, and so I'm going to go <laughs> beg people to buy those. Um, right now, I do not have. Any witchy conventions lined up? I finally, at the at the end of last year in September and October, went to my first two conventions since pre-COVID. You know, I went to BoucherCon, which was a, a mystery convention for my fiction books, and I went to um, uh, Celebrate Samhain, which is this lovely lovely convention in New Hampshire um, around Samhain, obviously. And if you can get to that, go. It's just fabulous. And, you know, they were lovely and they were fine. But what I discovered is that I'm really still not truly comfortable with the larger 
groups of people because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I'm probably going to be doing more online things. Um, as I said, I'm going to be teaching an, an online um, class at the end of this month, which is, uh, let's see, it's, um, who, who's it with? I, I Oh, it's called Maeve's Cottage. I, I'll make sure, have to make sure there's a link to that set up on my website. I'll, I'll get my girl on it right away. Um, and that's on um, the 27th. And that's it's just a class on everyday witchcraft. You know, it's just sort of the, the stuff that I talk about in the books all the time, but sort of summarized for a class. And I may try and do one or two online things either – you know, through somebody else or just myself for the heck of it. I mean, Zoom does open mm-hmm. up the world. Um, but, does. yeah, yeah. As, as of right now, once I do this little February thing that I committed to three years ago, um, I don't, in fact, have any plans to to be anywhere. On the other hand, if somebody invites me to go to something really interesting, you never know. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you it's, know, it's still very early in the year, um, and things are changing and in flux all the time, um, so so it's it's possible. Um, anything is possible. <laughs> Deborah, can I talk you into coming back on? Absolutely. Anytime you want, just yell. Yep. No, I I, I love chatting to you. I think. I think September is my next book from Llewellyn, which is um, – which one's coming up next? I think it's The Little Book of Witchcraft. They have this fun little book of oh. series, and I, I twisted their arms into letting me write one. Uh, somehow they thought me writing The Little Book of Witchcraft would be appropriate. I don't know why. Um, and so, yeah, that I believe is coming out in September – at some point, probably the 8th, because like, usually their books come out on the 8th. So maybe I can come back in September and we can have a little chat about that. Well, you know what? Or, or we can do that. it before that and talk about the Eclectic Witch's Book of Shadows. Did we talk about that the last time? Or I don't remember. We did. That, okay, we did. so that but was the one we again. talked about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. But that's okay. I'll talk yeah. to you about well, anything. I don't care if I, we I thank talk about you. this book Well, again. you know, I I um I wrote a a workbook to go with the with the book of shadows, a a, a companion book. I think we're going to end up calling it. Really? So and, and that'll nice. be out probably next year. Well, you know, the funny thing about it was, you know, it was my first hardcover. It's such a beautiful book. I was so excited. And we put all this space in there for people to write things so they could make it their own book of shadows. And the book is so beautiful, nobody wanted to write in it. People kept saying, no, it's a hardcover and it's beautiful. I can't write in it. And we're like, no, it's supposed to. You're supposed to write in it. So after enough, people said, couldn't you, you know, just write a a book to joke to go with it? I, I... you yeah. know, talk to Llewellyn, and they went, yeah, all right, if people really want that, okay. So, yeah, so that's one of the things I, I literally just finished working on that. I think it'll be out sometime next year. Um, and it was a lot of fun because it's a little bit different. There's some exercises and there's, you know, things things you can play with, you know, and uh, extra little tidbits of knowledge that I hadn't included in the first book. So, yeah, that was a blast. Awesome. 
Well, Deborah, you're a blast. I love speaking with you. Thank you so much again for coming on and hanging out with me. Well, you're very welcome, and thank you very much for having me. And so now if people didn't listen to this live, they can they can yeah. follow the link later? Yep, they can get it anywhere. Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes. I am You're everywhere. Everywhere too. I am everywhere. So yes, please share this podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it with fans of Deborah Blake. She's amazing and I appreciate all you guys and Deborah, I appreciate you and you and I will set up another date over this weekend. How's that? That sounds perfect. Wonderful. You take care. Thanks again. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye bye. All right, guys, I will be back tomorrow with Lori Bizarro, uh founder of the Temple of Hecate in New York City. And she's always hilarious too. We'll have a great time. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Deborah Blake is amazing, isn't she? I just love her to pieces, and her books are awesome. Go get one. Go get all of them. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.